Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Paul's first letter to the church at Thessalonica, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Hear with me now the reading of the word. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should not surprise you like a thief. You are all sons and daughters of the light, sons and daughters of the day. We do not belong to the night nor to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who are asleep sleep at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since you belong to the day, let us be controlled, self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a, breastplate, as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that wherever we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? O oh Lord, as we worship this morning, our minds have entered this sacred space, this sacred time with so many things. In the silence, O oh Lord, let us park those things metaphorically at the door of our hearts. so that we may spend this hour listening. Listening to your spirit, listening to your passion, listening to your call upon our lives through prayer, through scripture, through the spoken word, through music both sung and played. And even through those gentle whispers that you shout upon our ears and our very souls. And so that as we hear your word so clearly, that it may stir in us a passion to go forth from this place, forth from this time of worship, and into a day of service to you, where we are not just merely hearers of your word, but emphatically doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. I started, as many of you know, I started my career in ministry as a youth minister. 
So I was about 26 years old, and one of the youth parents came and flopped down in a chair in my office and said, you've got to help me with my teenager. Now think about this for a minute. I am 26. The teenager is, you know, 18 years old. I mean, really? Not a lot of difference there, right? But you've got to help me with them. I have no children. They've been raising this one for 18 years. And I said, well, tell me what's going on. Well, according to my teen, I am the dumbest human being on the face of the earth. I don't know anything. Mind you, I am college educated with a master's degree to boot. And yet I, for some reason, screw up all day long. And I am the dumbest human being. And I smiled and I said, well, you're not, but he thinks you are. Give it till sophomore year of college. And this parent looked at me like I was out of my mind and I said, trust me, sophomore year, you will become brilliant. You will become an oracle of information. You will become the consultant to the world that your child needs right now, but mainly then. The parent looked at me and said, how do you know this? And I smiled and I said, well, I'm 26. I was 20 once. Sorry, mom and dad, it's true. I had to go off to college to learn that maybe my parents knew what was going on after all. Now you fast forward two years, I'm now 28. The same parent knocks on my door one day and says, you won't believe it. And I said, what? They said, I am brilliant. I am the most important thing. I get a phone call at least twice a week asking my advice, and he listens. What happened was, over the two years of college, being out of the house, being out of that that zone where they were trying to grow up, the teen became a young adult who began to awaken and realize who he was. And more importantly, what he needed in life. He began to realize that he was about something bigger than himself. He was a part of a family unit, a part of a community. And so in that maturity and in that time of growing up, it began to change the dynamic and the relationship and even his approach to the world. You see, he figured out who he was and what he was about. So in our text today, as Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica, it's a message asking them to look around their community, look around within their congregation to figure out who they are, and more importantly, what they are to be about. He did this for the sake of the church, but even for the sake of the community in which they were embedded for the world around them. And he challenged them to look within and to realize that they are a people of light. To realize that they must keep awake, that they must be vigilant about the world around them and that therefore they must build one another up and they must encourage one another each and every day. As I read this text and I think about this, I think about how the waters of 2020 seem to roll on and they roll on by and at times they overflow the banks of our lives and flood us out. And you know what the secret, my brothers and sisters, is? We must take this same advice to heart. 
we too must realize that we are people of the light. That we must stay awake and alert. And that therefore we must encourage and lift and build each other up. Not just occasionally, but each and every day. You see, we are people of the light. What was supposed to happen this afternoon is that our confirmation class was supposed to come in here at 2 o'clock and at 4 o'clock. 36 confirmants were supposed to come down to the rail individually and be confirmed. We had to postpone this because of a rise in COVID cases in the schools in which these youth attend. But if we had come here and gathered in the sanctuary this afternoon, the homily would have been based on that scripture out of Matthew where Jesus tells the world, you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth, you are a city on a hill. But in that passage, let me tell you what he's really saying. He doesn't say you will be the light of the world. He said you are the light of the world. And so therefore... We as followers, we must shine our light, the light of our lives in the darkest corners in the world around us so that the light of Christ is reflected through us and that the darkness gets chased to the edge. See, my brothers and sisters, as bearers of the light, as bearers of the light of hope, of peace, of joy, of love, united in Christ, We bear that light to a world that so desperately needs it. That so desperately needs to be awakened to the joys of God's kingdom. See, we are a city on the hill. The whole world is watching us. Our children are watching. Our neighbors are watching. Our co-workers are watching. Our fellow members are watching. Not just those in the pews, but those that gather around us that we talk to at the club or in the neighborhood or at the gym or wherever we gather and run into each other, we are being watched. We are being observed. Our actions, our words, they are contagious. And so when we anchor our lives in the comforting grace, in the truth and in the love of God, it catches hold in the lives of those around us. we begin to influence and inspire everyone in our midst because we hold on to that light of hope, of peace, of joy, and love. In biblical times, the role of a shepherd, the good shepherd, was widely known. Everyone knows that a good shepherd cares for his or her flock. They look after the sheep, they protect them, from predators. And the most perilous time in any time that the flock is out in the field is at night when the wolves think that the sheep are alone. But see, that's when the shepherds are most vigilant in their work. That's why they stay awake at night keeping watch over their flocks. Paul's call to the church at Thessalonica to ask them to keep awake is about keeping our lives anchored in Christ for sure. Making sure that the oil in our lamps, the the oil of our lives, burn brightly of that holy oil of God's Spirit. But He is also reminding them 
to stay awake, to remain in, to claw for, to stay tuned into God's Spirit through the Good Shepherd of Christ. But Paul is also calling us to act, to live our lives as ever-vigilant shepherds, almost as lifeguards sitting in a chair watching over each other, to have that watchful eye we were called to protect, to care for one another, and especially to be aware that when the darkness threatens to creep in to each other's lives. Like ever-vigilant shepherds watching over our flocks by night, we must notice when those around us, those dear to us, those whom we come in contact with, whose paths we cross, when they are suffering from bouts of darkness, like mental health or addiction or poor decisions or destructive behavior or isolation and anger and so on. See, we must look out for when those levels of darkness begin to creep in and when they do, that we reach out to protect those that we care about, those that we run into. We help them find the light. We help them claw their way back into the light so that they are no longer in darkness. My friends, now especially, we can't look at the troubles of our world and say, someone should do something about it. Because guess what? We are all the someones. And if you're not strong enough to do it by yourself, phone a friend and work on it together because the world depends on us staying awake. The kingdom depends on us staying awake and looking out for each other. I will say this, that there is just one irrefutable fact about this year. It's almost that Captain Obvious moment, isn't it? This has been a tough year. I mean, we have lots to mourn. We have lots of things to be fearful of. We have lots of things to be disappointed about. But there is good news, too. Make no doubt about it. We can focus on the darkness or we can celebrate those bright spots that poke holes in the darkness that light the world. Marriages and births, retirements and acceptance to colleges and promotions, those are the things that we can celebrate in each other's lives. But then there are the good deeds that happen in the world around us. I mean, just this week, I heard on the news a, a, a feature about a group of neighbors and friends that nominated a single father of four with a special needs child, a veteran. They nominated him through an agency to receive mortgage assistance. But not only did they nominate him, he received that gift. And it wasn't just assistance. It was paying the entire mortgage off so that he could focus his energy, his resources, on caring for those four children, especially the one with great need. See, people casting light in the world around him, and that, my friends, is what Paul is calling us to do. That's the crux of it all in this, is that we must encourage one another. We must build each other up. We must swim against the tide of the negativity of the world and instead challenge it to be better. 
I mean, I think of this year, I think the leaders of our world, that they are doing the very best they can. There is no playbook for how to live with a global pandemic. So I think of our government leaders, I think of our business owners, I think of our parents, our kids, our youth, even the teachers in our schools. They are figuring it out as they go. They are doing their best. And guess what? You know what our job to do is? Is to encourage them. It's to lift them up, to pray for them, but to send them notes to encourage them and to say, we are behind you. We are walking with you every step of the way. We know this has got to be tough. But we've also got to recognize that this has frazzled all of us. That we are flummoxed, that we are frustrated, that we mourn the loss of dreams and visions for life this year. This year, in some cases, has been a lost year for some of us. And so because of that, sometimes our edges are frayed, our tempers are short. What if we practice grace with each other? That's what God is calling us to do. To lead with forgiveness and grace and instead to lift each other up. That's what Paul writes. Most of all, encourage one another. Build one another up. Write a note. Send an email. Send a text. Give a kind word. Give encouragement. Think about the tone that we use with each other. Practice grace and encouragement. Think of the impact you can have on one person's day. And then think of the butterfly effect. Think of the impact you could have on one person's day if you lifted them up, if you encouraged them, and they in turn encouraged someone who in turn encouraged someone who in turn encouraged someone. Think of how we can build our world up. Because we are light. We are awake. We are the people God calls us to be. Sometimes we are a lot like a teenager who is not aware of life outside of ourselves. That is human nature. But if we remember who we are and what we're about, who God calls us to be, think about the profound impact that we can have on our sphere of influence. If we remember that we are children of light, that remain ever vigilant against the dark, and we encourage each other every single day. I believe when we do that, the kingdom that God wants on earth gets just a little bit closer every single day. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.